Yabuseo, Statsman Podcast, Osin Gosuil, Juan Yong Habnida. Hello to you too. How goes it, Ted? Uh, I- I'm alright. So apparently we're going to talk about something today that is um, gibberish. Not gibberish. <laughs> Sounds like gibberish to some it's of us. It's not gibberish. That's the Korean language. And as the premium uh, Korean League, K-League experts in the field, I thought we'd appeal to someone, anyone who's Korean listening. Yeah. I had a go. Hopefully I got well, it Well, look, it's a, little more exi- it's a little more exciting than the Belarusian Premier League, in my opinion. <laughs> We never covered that. Uh, I wasn't particularly expert in it. But yeah, Ted, you we, you wanted to podcast, so here we are, we're back podcasting. Not that I didn't at all, that's not what I'm trying to say at all, but you know, you gave us a topic list, and one of the one of the uh, things on the topic list was the K-League. Yeah, so early season stuff, as always, you know, small sample size applies. Uh, I know many of you have been following this league for most of your adult lives. Uh, so, you know, for those of us who are, are a little new to it, I apologize. But, you know, it's it's what's on right now. We could be talking about MLS and you'd be even more bored. John Buck Motors have had a good start. Good defense John, in two, through two games. Yeah, big gap in, in shot volume and, and the best expected goal difference in the league. Um, yeah. <laughs> Taken about 18... They look like Manchester City, to be honest with you. After two games, they look like Manchester City. That is exactly what I thought. (laughs) I don't want to trivialise this, because I'm sure there are some some big fans of uh, of, uh, K-League out there. And of course, you know, every every league has its fans, has its nation. But sadly, I don't know that much about it. So I've kind of... Yeah, we're, we're trying here, but it's probably not going as well as it could do. So you know, in the in the first couple of games, the the first two teams or the worst two teams in the league look like Sangju Sanyu, who have three points and uh, squeaked out a, a pretty even uh, victory. Who was it against? Hang on, let me, let me bring that back up. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, squeaked out a, a a victory against Gangwon, and and that was like it was about as busy as the the Col- Cologne Mines games. So like you know, two point three. Expected goals per team, but, you know, got the rub of the green there. So that was a good one. The other one, they got absolutely trounced uh, 4-0 <clears throat> against Ulsan. So, you know. Junior Negreo has four goals, three non-penalty goals from seven shots in two games. So he's got the, the proverbial hot start, 33-year-old Brazilian, I believe. But, yeah, he's doing well. I was going to ask if he was a local, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I wonder if I don't know. I really don't know anything about this league. I was wondering if they've got any any stars, any um, you know, old classic players in there. So th- this is further proof of of when people do the joke that you could just do the same framework around anything and and have it be sportsing, right? Like narrative, narrative, narrative. Some stats, uh, and <laughs> we knew nothing about the league, unfortunately. Uh, and my sleep schedule does not allow me to follow this, but uh, maybe yours does. Uh, not really. I haven't thought to. I mean, this this is a thing. You know, one of the things that obviously people have kind of reached out. I mean, certainly the, the gamblers amongst us uh, have, have probably been a little bit more keen to pick up the whatever leagues in front of them uh, at times. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting because obviously we're going to talk about Bundesliga and you know how how are you, how is your relationship with the Bundesliga in general and this weekend? You know, these are different things. I think, and um, I watched parts of most of i think three games this weekend or at least i at least had them on that felt like it was one of those things i probably do this more often than than as you know actually sit there and you know, digest every moment of a game it was you, it was just like an everton on. match being on television right and you're like <laughs> oh it's everton i guess i'll watch it you know it, it, it does it's not like crystal palace versus burnley where you're like there's no possible way you're going to make me watch that one <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 funny because um, I watch. I funny enough, I watch quite a lot of games like without any sound anyway. Because I'm I, I sit in the living room. I've got my corner with the computer and whatever. And um, but my daughter will quite happen to happily sit in here and watch whatever she's watching. So I'll just uh, I have it on my screen with the sound down or headphones or something. So I mean, if headphones, I can hear it. But quite often, I just watch it with the sound down. So I'm quite used to this kind of like non non exciting crowd. Yeah. A crowd scene it's quite a normal situation for me so it didn't really kind of affect my my viewing quality there if it's a big game i'll commandeer the tv and you know demand demand my two hours kind of thing commandeer i paid for this tv <laughs> you know what it's like you 
got a family. There's there's there's, there's trade-offs all the way through. You know, it's, sometimes I will demand the TV, other times I won't. So, yeah. For those of you who are sniffing around the the K League, uh, in in the first two games, you definitely did not want to watch Xiangnam or Seoul games because they have about 15 shots total. You know, if you're looking for some sort of entertainment, yeah, yeah. we tend to take overall shot volume as uh, as something that's interesting. Daegu games have had 25 shots total, but very low low quality shots. So you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, shooting from range. I don't know if Alexander Diamante moved moved to there from Australia, uh, but yeah. Anyway, he's the, um, yeah, he's on the so, retirement tour now, isn't he? Anyway. It makes sense to, to tuck into a bit of the Bundesliga. Uh, you know, for, for those of us who you know, are interested in gambling, we do have K-League stats, uh, and we are collecting it. And that was one of the leagues that we added this year, uh, and one of the few that's actually been <laughs> Yeah, but early this year, you know, you, get, you do. You get, all these, you get the seasons that start kind of, I don't know, February, March, April kind of time, and run through the league, through the year. And we added loads, didn't we, Terry? We added loads of these new, new seasons, and then they all kind of ground to a halt after one game. So that was no 70 fun. competitions. Um, yeah, we also added, what was it? Uh, we, we tucked into the UEFA Youth League and caught up on that one this year. And then um, we're going back to 16-17. That one's done, I think, now. So we've collected all 16-17. Um, and then we're looking at 15-16 and, and also looking at the other leagues and trying to figure out, hmm, are we going to get stuck in the middle of this or not? <laughs> but who knows? Like, So, so the, the, some leagues are gearing back up right now actually but the Bundesliga started yeah it's, it is kind of mad how how quickly they've got it organized especially when you consider um I think you know there's this chatter around Italy, Italy kind of what they're going to do and Spain whether they whether they're going to even let them start up when they want to start up obviously the Premier League is you know in a similar situation France have called it a day um I can't remember what I'd heard I think mid June's the most likely. Well, the, the, what everyone's kind of seems to be aiming at at the moment, which still seems a way off. I mean, it's probably only about three weeks, but it still seems a way off. I don't know. It's weird. Before the, before the Bundesliga started, I felt very, very kind of like strongly that like this, from a you know from a kind of health perspective, this was unnecessary. Like you know, obviously professionally, I'm very interested in football starting up. That's great, but like from a health perspective, it felt like mm, this. It all seems too too soon and too too now to be starting playing football. And then obviously, when when they when I watched watched the games, I felt far more ambivalent about it. You know, the the proof is in the the testing and the amount any if any cases come out of it. But um, yeah, just watching the games without crowds and you know people social distancing off the pitch, but then playing football on the pitch. I don't know. It's it's still a little odd, but. I think I'm. I think I'm okay with it at the moment. It's Everyone tricky. had opinions too. Yeah, which was, um, it's not uninteresting. You know, people have opinions, especially on the internet. Uh, but opinions about like the quality of the the game, which was again interesting because you know a lot of people are like, well, they're not fit. Um, muscle injuries are probably going to happen. I mean, that's true. Um, yeah, haven't played a preseason at all. So like, you know, they basically have had a, a two month break without. It's basically a summer break. It's the equivalent of right, mm. and and but then you didn't have the opportunity to to gear back up by playing a lot of friendlies or anything like that. So yeah, coming into it pretty fresh, I thought some of the finishing actually was really good. Uh, yeah, the Dortmund game was was probably the most of that, but uh, the Gladbach game as well. You know, wicked goals there, very well taken, <clears throat> and. Yeah, I also watched Leipzig, and they they <laughs> stuttered a bit more. I didn't so. watch them. I watched um I watched Dortmund in the first ten minutes of that game. It did feel like a training game, like just because of the pace of it. It just felt like they were kind of really not going at it at all. Um, and then it kind of it kind of it, it kind of found a rhythm. I felt it felt like um, I I don't know. I've had this. I've said this before. When the World Cup went to Brazil. Um, some years ago in 2014, I remember they they had those matches that were in the middle of the rainforest and there was insane humidity. Yeah, and they weren't that much slow. I was expecting them to be at a walking pace, and they weren't that much slower than the no. normal games. And I think this is this is similar kind of situation we've got here. Everyone's expecting something very different, but football is football, and you know players are coached to play this in a certain way. And once they get you know into the swing of things. 
it's essentially going to look very similar to what you've seen before. I mean, maybe maybe the substitutions and more players coming on off it um, ultimately will you know show that there's there's kind of like different fitness levels and and such, and you might get the odd weird result. But a lot of what we saw this week, I mean, you know, buying ground out a result by just giving the opposition nothing and you know taking the couple of chances they had obviously one was a penalty and such and you know Dortmund looked quite expansive and fun and uh, you know turned man those those fullbacks were a handful <laughs> uh, you they were just they knew that they could get up pitch like whenever they wanted to and and so like they were causing like hugely problematic overloads and most teams do not have the quality that they have like I think Rafael Guerrero if he ever was able to stay healthy would be like among basically the top three left backs in the world. I don't, I don't even think that's a close question. Like he's really, really good. And then uh, you've got Hakimi on the other side, who's still pretty young, but also very good. And and yeah, they were just like rampaging. And, and Sancho wasn't in, but it did not matter. Holland you know, had, a, had a goal. And then like, this is, we should talk about this because like people just like, they want to be fucking outraged. And if you are outraged about something, like it is, it is your choice to be so like it is an active choice that you can be outraged but you saw like the media come out and be like oh he's being disrespectful look this kid is 19 years old all right and actually if you look at the entirety of the comments like he wasn't giving just like one word answers he was a bit more expansive than that but even so he's a 19 year old kid and you're gonna get what you get from him that's that like you know, don't be offended by this stuff. It's you interesting. Do, you do nothing. There are, yeah, there are, that it kind of taps into the whole relationship between sports and um, sports and media, though, doesn't it? I mean, like we expect, I don't know, in this day and age, our our sports stars to at least, if they, even if, if they're not going to be honest with us because they've all been media trained to the nth degree, we expect them to to at least go through the motions and answer questions as as you know we expect them to and yeah obviously I, I know what you mean about that this clip was kind of edited towards the end of his interview and didn't show the whole interview but yeah if you we've, we've we kind of bristle we i guess the me the media bristles when 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 uh sports stars don't kind of conform entirely to uh to this kind of pattern it's almost like that trade-off where it's like right we're not going to get any insight out of you great to get the three points most important things that the team won and good to score but you know this kind of stuff but um like it's almost as if the trade-off of not being like remotely honest is that you do have to just go through the motions and if you don't well, go through the motions then then everyone gets offended it's weird it's pavlovian though right like basically if you give them something and you pretend to go through the motions occasionally like if you're like slightly charming then it's fairly easy to get along here until it's not and and like the media especially in the uk seem like they're always digging for a thing like it's a bit like michael jordan stuff and i i've been watching we're through most of the way through the last dance uh my son and i and we've been watching it and and jordan was like fantastically charismatic like he's an easy talker spent a lot of time with the media would, would answer the same questions over and over and over again but i think the u.s media tends to you know have more things to chew on uh like big country like jordan's life in general huge amounts of stuff to chew on um but yeah like you know if you if you're a little off step and you're interesting then the, oh they want to follow you but then like the moment that they can you know have something juicy to to knock you down with it seems like they do that especially in the uk uh us during that that era different sporting time you know the stories would not come out as much and you know i mean there are plenty of stories that don't get written in in football as well like ones that are too awkward to write about <clears throat> I, I don't know kyle walker's recently been complaining that he feels like he's being harassed and he probably is like he's like it happens all the time. You know, you see people. I guess you know, allegedly Carolyn Flack um, found it to be too much. Um, you know, people sort of torn down uh, by the media circus. And, and Jordan had it twice, where he's just you know I've, this is enough. Like this is actually too much. And, and Michael's like the biggest star in the world at the time. But it doesn't take the being the biggest star in the world. It just takes like some bad experiences, right? Like yeah. no one wants to 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 be written about in a way that is is negative but you know it's it's impossible to control especially when people are just always digging in and willing to lie to be totally honest with you willing to lie about what is happening for the sake of outrage like it's it's a bunch of nonsense i hate it it drives me nuts yeah no i know someone 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 a while ago um who was uh interviewing for a club job 
and uh, something that came up, came up along the way was that that by getting a club job, you know, a football job, they would put themselves into a kind of like a prominent role. I mean, you've had a you've had a club job. You know what it's you you know you know what that's like. You know, suddenly you're in in the forums. The fans are chatting about you at times, and you know it might not be like a huge place on the internet, but suddenly you have like a kind of people are interested in who you are and what you're doing, and you multiply that by a billion. And then you've got like Michael Jordan, but I, yeah, you know the idea that you can't you you become a public figure in some way, and obviously that's that's the trade off that you you make when you become involved in sports, especially you know from a kind of player or you know um, prominent prominent kind of you know manager or coaching or um, analyst role in a club is that you you almost kind of like you have to trade off some some of your privacy or. Or just shut down, you know, don't talk to, don't have a public profile at all because... If you're you're an analyst at a club, like, you basically should shut down. Like, almost never do or say anything. And I I didn't deal with it as well as I could have. I did, I did, you know, go private. You did go dark, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I I remember that. You weren't, you were, you were very quiet from, you know, from a kind of public profile for quite some time, but... Yeah. But I, I absolutely like do not be a public person. I, you know, if we, if I were to take another job, it's a, in inside of the club space, is a very big question for me, as to what I would do. Because like I, you know, my my Twitter account is very personal to me, and you know, I do analysis on there. I, I talk about stuff that I like. is is a normal Twitter account, and it's been part of my life for probably over ten years now. <clears throat> and so I have a lot of friends on there. Like obviously, I could switch private, but you're not going to get like any sort of rational interaction from fans. It's just not going to happen. And yeah. and you're fooling yourself if you think that you can control all of that because you can't. You know, you go through a bad run and it doesn't matter if you're dominating the game. So you're going to get, you know, tens, hundreds, millions of people, you know, throwing tomatoes at you because like you're you're having a bad run. Um, Leipzig, you know, they they dominated by by nearly two goals against Freiburg. Nearly lost at the end, just a, a, a mm. far pulled back a, a slightly offside set piece goal. Um, and and yeah, you know, you could do that for three games in a row and still potentially lose, despite the fact that you were what eighty five percent to win that one, <laughs> and, and people would be angry. And and that's just it. But I think you know, football coming back feels okay but still weird some of those stadiums are beautiful by the way <laughs> yeah you get a real flavor for that now, don't you? you see all the you see the entire stadium a little bit clearer <laughs> we were we were at dusseldorf on this trip to to just start to make contacts in germany and we went in their stadium and they've got one of those sort of they've got a bunch of different colored seats and it's absolutely gorgeous it's really pretty inside of there you're like wow this is this is a lovely view. And I, I've been inside a couple of sporting stadiums that, that are like that. You're like, oh, wow, this is just like a really attractive place to look at. And, and in some cases, like a nice place to go work, right? Because like you get mm-hmm. to view the inside of the, the theater or whatever. Plenty of the, the giant stadiums are, are just like so much concrete and, and stuff. Uh, especially the older ones. Uh, people complain about Barcelona Stadium outside of the, the, the very specific places that have been redone, uh, because like it just is pretty old and very functional, and that's that's what it's designed for. <clears throat> New Spurs Stadium, I suspect, is gorgeous on every level because they spent a lot of time and money making it that way for multi-purpose as well. So, yeah, I mean that's yeah that's that's an interesting point, isn't it? You know, you, you, your dream job, you know, go and work in football. Well, you might go and sit in a training ground or a porter cabin. Didn't you have a porter cabin? Uh, we did not have one, and this was part of the contention. Uh, we had to we had to come down and hang out um, uh, whenever we were invited, and so for the the Warbs era, um, yeah, first first while I I came down and and was down there I don't know once a month I think roundabout like a lot of a lot of time we were just busy building tools right and it was an hour plus each way to get down to the training ground at Jersey Road from the Smart Odds offices um, and then you know every six weeks I'd go up to Michelin for a couple of days and, and visit them and do a debrief and talk about stuff um, but yeah we didn't have offices down at the training ground and that was like for our group, that was a bone of contention because it made us much harder to integrate and we were easily sort of chalked up as like possibly the enemy, even when we were you know trying to be super helpful the entire time and doing work and stuff that mattered and people apparently liked it. So that was tricky. But yeah, like Jersey Road, uh, which is Brentford's training ground, was just Porter Cabin City uh, because it, it used to be a cricket ground, I think. And so right. they inherited it and then... 
you know, had not, and Brentford were down in like League Two, League One for a long time, I, and, and not that long ago. <laughs> um, they came up in 2014. Uh, so yeah, that was the moment at which they were like a regular championship club and have been there. And, you know, Matthew's put money into it, but there's money that's gone into this new stadium that's that's going to open. Last, last game at Griffin Park should have been uh, two weeks ago, I think. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 very surreal. Like, um, so did you miss the fans, or did it just not matter that much to you in the, uh, in the I, games? I'm, I don't. I mean, it's the. I think the, the the real trauma is if you if you're a fan of these teams and you you've been to every game for like fifty years. Those guys, you know, and it's this is what you do, and it's your entire life is going to going to going to sports games. I, from a TV perspective, it's it is a bit weird. I don't, <laughs> funny funny thing. I mean, I've watched the occasional. Um, you know the occasional like no audience kind of under seventeen match on Eurosport and such that you know, we we all have. But I think the one th- one thing that no I noticed uh, as much as anything that if if you block a free kick, it sounds like you're not going to survive it. Like the, <laughs> <laughs> the echo of blocking a free kick around a large stadium is is really it sounds it sounds like you know you've just been hit by a cannon or something. It's quite yeah. There's there's, quite a, there's a goalkeeper this weekend who saved one with his nuts. <laughs> and uh, and you're just like oh oh you poor bastard like, you notice it right because <laughs> these guys hit it hard like so every every if you've ever played at any reasonable level in football there's a couple of guys out there that just strike the ball really hard and really true and for someone like me who never learned to, to strike the ball like I could throw a baseball you know mid 80s like so good good luck with that on the other side of it and i did a lot of mixed martial arts but for whatever reason my my big dumb adult feet could not learn to strike a ball very well and and i just looked at these guys who like had sort of true striking ability and i'm always amazed by it they that ball travels and it's big and it has like you know some mass behind it and it hurts (laughs) yeah it all seems so delicate you know when you when you watch it watch it from you know the comfort of your sofa and then the reality yeah, go, of football is far go, different. Go play goalkeeper and let anybody that has even semi-pro ability strike shots at you from the 18. And and then talk to me again about that. <laughs> right, where do we go from here? I'm sure I'm looking at the um, the Bundesliga table. I think, I mean, there's got to be some reasonable hope that they're going to play this out. They seem quite committed to doing that. One of my concerns um, about like restarting football was if... Uh, you know, if we ended up with league tables that were part finished with, uh, you know, 25, 28 kind of pre-COVID games, two or three odd neutral grounds COVID games with weird results, and then trying to try trying to try to lawyer way through that for promotion and relegation, um, it feels like Germany might get through this, and uh, you know, kind of at least set a blueprint to to how to do this. I was, I was looking, I, I was hoping for a little bit more kind of uh, competitiveness within this league. Where the Bremen and Paderborn are looking like they're slightly cut adrift at the bottom. Bayern have got, they've four point cushion. It's just enough, isn't it? To, to, to make you think like, oh, yeah, and, and once give again, that away now. <laughs> once again, they're the best team in the league. And, and the way that Bayern do it is like so frustrating because like so many times it looks like they might be catchable. And Kovac, early in the season, lots of rumblings behind it. And and then, like, Hansi Flick comes in and just stabilizes everything, and they pull away. And the same thing happened last year. Like, they just mm-hmm. managed to pull away via quality. And it never seems like they're that awesome. And and compare – but, like, you know, the, the expected goal difference is, is enormous. And they've got, like, a great core of players that have been there, you know, many of them a long time. So they've got that sort of, like, stability DNA type thing. Um, compare that to someone like Juve. Like you, Juve are also like right on the edge of winning their league, and yeah, our our, our chief commercial officer Shergul is a Fiorentina-born individual, and he hates Juve, and I also hate Juve for like various reasons. But they're fun to hate. Uh, I call them the evil empire, uh, and you know Ronaldo being there also helps. But yeah, it's a like Juve's numbers have looked very fragile in the last couple of years, and and they should not have won last year, I think, especially. But they're still at the top of the league. Bayern's numbers have looked the opposite. They they've been just you know basically a half goal dominant expected goals again, and it's like typical for them. Like versus any other team, so they're at like one point three. I think the closest one is maybe Leipzig at at point nine three, something like that. Um, Kai Havertz again last night looking pretty good as he does. Uh, 
yeah, I, I think I talked a little bit about, I saw him on the training pitch at age 17 with, <clears throat> with a lot of the, yeah, and Pellerabi's still there. Plenty of these guys are still there. Uh, but under Schmidt, and I, I saw this kid and I was like, who's the tall kid in the middle? It's like, oh yeah, that's Kai Hubbard. It's like, wow, he looks like he's going to be really good. This is, he's like, oh yeah, he just came out of the academy. I was like, you must be joking. Like, there's no possible way that this kid just came out of your academy and, and like has not turned 18 yet. Like, yeah, he's he's amazing. He wasn't even the player of the year in the academy that year. Um, the uh, Not Wendell. The guy that went to Monaco as a fullback, uh, Benny Henricks. He was the player of the year, the academy that year. So, Halvard's, you know, again, everybody taking note. We've been high on this kid for, what, four or five seasons now. <clears throat> he's real good. Yeah, there's an interesting kind of... Um and related point there I think it's I've seen this Twitter this debate floating around Twitter recently is that you know players that players that come through at 17 18 and such and you know that end up playing quite a lot of minutes like how 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 many of their careers are, are robust into like you know their 30s and such obviously injuries can help can impact that I think Theo Walcott's an interesting example he obviously had a very bad injury at one point but you know he was essentially out of the England picture by 27 had a decent enough career uh, at Arsenal, and obviously, he's, you know, having a perfectly, a perfectly decent career at uh, Everton now. But you know, a player that came through and uh, you know had a lot of uh, football early on, and do they have the kind of staying power? Even Rooney, like Rooney, very quite quickly went from being a player that people were, um, you know, happy to fate as you know one of one of the greats to could you know barely find a um, you know a high high quality team to play in, and obviously now he's he's pretty old and such but yeah it is it's interesting to me um you know players don't fully develop we don't think peak is you know <laughs> peak isn't 17 18 19 20 21 is it it's, it's significantly later than that so well and people's people's expectations get warped by the the outliers right like mm. somebody that breaks through at age 19 or 20 they're amazing yeah <laughs> not just like a little bit good they're incredible yeah it's... and but it, it happens like a couple of times a season across europe and so you start to think that this is like a regular thing whereas the selection at the top of that pyramid from all of the people that played football at that age around europe like you just happen to be like one in 10 or or 50 or 100 million that happens to pop up there yeah no it's it's, it's an interesting question to kind of ponder because yeah, I mean, we we do we're, we're forever looking at the seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-old who's bursting on the scene, and you know, playing at a you know kind of adult level already, and you know how how many of those careers really persist. And again, I think we're, like, we've been completely spoilt with certainly Messi, but even Ronaldo, like you know, he wasn't the player he became when he was it was 21 22 23 when he became the gold machine you know right. he wasn't that player before Messi was obviously great from the get-go but yeah I think like that, that probably if you hold up those for longevity those two players obviously kind of um look very different to 99% of other players um but well I think how they take care of themselves is really really important and and not something that you're going to get from some base averages right like we talk about peak and and when we talk about peak it's it's a probabilistic thing for us um, you know, not all players peak at the same time. Like Romelu Lukaku was probably sort of in his sort of plateau by like age 1920. And a lot of that's physical, right? Like your body, your body is growing. Um, peak testosterone for men is around age 25. And that's usually fairly consistent. Uh, and so it makes sense that, that peak for many positions is around that as well, especially the more explosive ones. But you know, how you take care of yourself and whether you have injuries are the two big, big things. The taking care of yourself thing is is partly a longevity thing. Like, you know, if you're if you're Ryan Giggs and you you end up doing a lot of yoga and don't drink and you know, maybe it is holistically healthy to have affairs with your brother's wife. I don't know. I you know, like we we haven't really explored this from a health perspective. Um, but <laughs> if you're gigs and you take really good care of yourself, you can play a long, long time. And this is a guy that had hamstring problems, right? He he talked very publicly. Yeah, he, he was uh, injured quite frequently in his younger years. He had to learn how to run. He had to relearn how to run. He's like, I can never actually open up the the gates because, like, if I do, I'm pretty sure I'm going to tear my hamstrings. And so, like, for pace pace guys, like, that's a huge deal. Um, you know, Theo had had injuries all along, uh, and in fact, there are a lot of young Arsenal players that had injuries all along. So you wonder, is it 
an Arsenal problem? Is it the fact that they were the most fouled team in the league for like six years and they had, you know, 18 year olds going and 19 and 20 year olds going up against full grown men who were interested in hurting them? You know, it, there are a lot of confounding factors inside of that. But, you know, for someone like Rooney, who had a great physical capacity, uh, it was very much, you know, how locked in are you? Like, how, how pathological are you about living like a monk through the rest of your life? And if you do, like, you can presumably maintain a very high level because that's where you're at. But if you get bored, if, if you decide that you like to eat and drink, then your, your game will suffer for it. And it is, it is that level of sacrifice to be one of the truly elite. Yeah, it's it's not it's not natural, is it, to to be so dead so dedicated? I think you know you've you've got to consciously choose to to move in that direction and realise that your kind of mild chicken and vegetables meal that you eat six times a week is better than that delicious looking pizza that my family are tucking into right now. Boy, I'd yes. like a slice of that right now. We talked about that a lot at, at Brentford and Michelin about how do we make the food interesting and and not just interesting from, you know, it needs to be caloric, right? Sure, obviously, but people need to like it. <laughs> they need to, like, we need to get them on our page as much as possible. We can educate them and, and talk about this and we can potentially do cooking classes. I'm not saying that these things were done, but these are the things that we thought about. Uh, so we could do cooking classes and that that has like the positive of giving them some life skills. A lot of these kids have none of these life skills like they've never needed to cook in their lives. Uh, but cooking classes then teaches you a little bit about how to how you can take care of yourselves when we're not around, like making better choices. You're educating them through through the cooking process. You're teaching them to cook healthy stuff. You're giving them, you know, interesting skills when they meet girls, should they want to do that, which, is, again, is something that they're very interested in at that age. Men, men like to meet girls. OK, this is useful. As a football, you're going to meet girls. Um, but at the end of the day, the most important thing was giving them the right diet that they were interested in and excited about so they weren't necessarily going to seek other things all the time because that has a big negative impact on their ability to play and and again longevity and whatever injury like you have to eat the right foods <clears throat> so that was a, a very thoughtful thing that we used to do i, I mean it come here's us right so we're we're in month month three of the the pandemic and uh and how's your mental health it's all right, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty level in the main main, main part, but you have up days and down days. Though some days you just feel a bit kind of like kicking around the house and whatever, you know. It's a bit frustrating. Um, like I'm, I'm, I'm in desperate for other stuff to do. <laughs> I bet you are. I mean, <laughs> you're like you know you you've tra you travel quite a lot. You know you you've, you're very active as someone someone who goes goes places, meets people. And uh, yeah, I mean this this is the, this is just the complete opposite to that, isn't it? I mean, you, your your life, my life's been pretty active since you know working working at Statsman and stuff in that regard. But yeah, yours yours is a, a step up from that. So I can quite imagine. Um, and you've had you've had lots of periods in your life where you've been like that. Obviously, like you described when you're at Brentford and Midland, you travelled there, and you know when you're on the Magic uh, like uh, tour thing that you were following around, you travelled a lot there. So yeah, this I'm, I imagine this is very different for you. I, I really need I need to get into books again. Like usually I read books when I travel and it's a very natural thing. It's a it's a pri private thing. When you're traveling, you have so many hours of boredom that are a bit bullshit. And I really like the book space because books put me in my headspace and they take me out of whatever physical reality I'm in. But like I haven't really been in the mood to read a book lately. And so I've been playing video games and I played Hades a bunch, which is in early release from Supergiant. It's fantastic. It is a it's a roguelike grindy fighty game with Greek gods around it. And uh, uh, as a kid, I probably checked out the, the big manual of Greek gods from my elementary school, like at least once or twice a year and reread them and, and eventually memorized all of them because like it was like we didn't have a lot of fantasy. Like when I was in, in the in the early 80s, uh, like uh, mid 80s, we just there wasn't much, especially for kids. Now you can Harry Potter, you can do all sorts of stuff. And, and that's come along. And James thinks that it will go back. James thinks that this is some bullshit, I believe. No, I don't. The, 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 the cat's <laughs> completely out of the bag there. It's all this, the nerds have taken over, Ted. 
You knew it would happen. <laughs> it was going to happen, and it did. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I've I've done that, but like you know, that that's been occupying hours, uh, and I can occupy some hours with television, and I run or row. Uh, four to five times a week and, and really that's just like a sanity check like can i can i make myself tired so that i sleep sure can i have a little bit of time by myself um sometimes listening to po- other people's podcasts like about the process or Kier mcguire stuff but yeah it's just like the sameness is a real struggle and i don't i think i've i've, ad- I've adjusted to the fact that most days are, g- are going to be the same it's just i don't know i mean we're, we're both still working like so you know, I imagine it must be very different if you're not working and you know, if you're furloughed or something, and you're just thinking like, "What am I doing now?" Yeah. Uh, so that you know, that must be a, a very different experience. I don't know. It's um, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's unique. I tell, I say one thing. Like, the, I remember the start of all this, and everyone's like, "Now this is the chance you will get to write the great novel that you have within you to conquer that project that you always wanted." And it's like bullshit like nobody nobody's done any of these things i mean maybe at the end of it someone will come out with some genius and they, they actually got down to it but i think for the vast majority of people like give no one wanted to be given this time <laughs> it just got dumped on us and that's the world we're in um if you, in, unless you really want to do something unless you really want to write the novel that's inside you or something you ain't gonna do it i'm sorry you're not gonna you've got to have to really want to and if you really want to you'll find time to do it anyway in the rest of your life the mental prowess it would take to remove yourself from the current situation and go deep into some other situation would be exceptional right now and i say this as somebody who who often you know, does these types of things i it is it is hard to escape the daily at the moment, uh, particularly hard. And, and you know, if you're writing something else, like unless it is, you know, an accounting uh, or, you know, a wrapper around it that's somewhat fictional, uh, it's, it's just hugely challenging. I'm, I'm sure there are people that do it and, and they're amazing, but man, uh, you're stuck in your day-to-day life. And, and that was one thing that, you know, football came back this weekend in that way and, and Premier League football come back and, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, it, I think we've covered the mental health side. It's hard, and and you should forgive yourself for being hard, and realize that it's hard for basically everybody. And you know, don't don't beat yourself up about it. And a lot of people do, right? I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I, the, footballers is is hard too in ways that you won't expect. You know, the the press always being on you. People talking about people that should not be talked about. You know, your family, your family is a footballer. They should be protected, right? Like they should not be discussing this stuff, and yet that often happens. Um, so, did you see that that League Two has ended in England? Yeah, but League One is still like undergoing negotiations. The League One, which lacks a team because Barry went bust. Um, yeah, well, could, the bottom of League Two is it Stevenage? I think that that were a cut, they were adrift, and they're not getting relegated now, which is a little bit. Well, that has to be approved. Uh, but yeah, they're they're 14 points away from uh, from safety at the moment, and and the amazing thing about this is people don't even realize what choices they've made, right? So they basically have chosen to to do points per game, uh, not home and away, like <laughs> which you know again is an argument. Um, but they've done they've done points per game um, for the teams, and this is the, you know one of the arguments in League One. And then they're like, well, we can't, we can't relegate someone if they haven't played the games. And you're like, that is not true because you just chose that you know, <laughs> there's this, this is probabilistic element. Like whether you realize it or not, <laughs> you're, you're like, well, on average, if we do points per game, these other teams would then finish in these spots in, in the league, in the league order. Okay, fine. So we're, we're buying into probability because like it, it, either you, you think that you need to play the game, so you don't. <laughs> Let's have a let's have a draft like uh, for the positions in the league. I'm sure you, you know, like the NFL draft. Sorry, the NBA draft specifically. They weight it, don't they? Because um, you know, depending on how bad or good you are, so you could weight it based on like how many points you've got in the bag, and then just draw and then just draw one. <laughs> one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people will, that'll be fun. <laughs> Woo! Sell the TV rights for that. Maybe save a save a team from financial downfall. Actually, yeah, accidentally killing teams because they've just ended up in the wrong place. In the draw, I don't. The, the bottom line is all for all this league stuff. There is just like there is no optimal solution. There just isn't an optimal solution. And funny enough, something like something that occurs to me uh, around this, 
American sports, uh, we know, which we've over the years we've largely kind of, um, I don't know, critiqued from afar. We, I maybe, who, you know, I'm not sure if you carry the way, but um, for not having any promotion relegation, well, it doesn't matter now, does it? Does not matter. They've had you know lockouts and wage things, and they just kind of kick up the next year and start again. And like it's like it's just not a problem at all. It's like okay, right, we didn't have those games, but we all exist. We all come back next year. That's fine. On we go. And uh, yeah, over here in Europe with promotion relegation in every single uh, soft football league, um, problems problems need solving. So yeah, it's weird. I something I'd never really considered. Well, yeah, they haven't, you know, we don't have a closed shop at the moment. And and I hope that there's never a closed shop created. Like, I think that that's part of the, the majesty of European football, but English football especially. But it causes um, problems when obviously the world problems. goes on hiatus. So, uh, like yeah. One of the few sporting events that was remotely interesting uh, before now was the fact that the NFL draft took place. And you're like, oh, God, something to focus on. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the draft is very much future-focused anyway. So it was, a, it was a nice departure over the course of a weekend to be able to discuss that. But yeah, I, 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 I was looking at this League 2 stuff and just realizing that people don't even realize the implications of their own choices. Like By choosing to say that, yes, on average, that we're going to use points per game, then you should be using points per game across the whole thing. Because if you're doing it as a positive, then you also like are assuming that these terrible teams are going to continue to stay terrible. Now, you could do different ways. You could you know, add gambling models or expected goals models and incorporate home, home field advantage and, and all of that. And uh, I don't... <laughs> there, there are positives and negatives to that and assumptions that you have to make along the entire spectrum the that guy, you can't get away from. The guy from, from Peter didn't like it, did it? Because, because he... Um, he you know quite quite correctly noted that i think they had a bunch of home games against like bad teams coming up so i mean this, and they're this plus is, 28 too right? yeah they've got they're fantastic the goal to lead. yeah yeah so it's like well i can completely i completely empathize with your your perspective and your point of view but that but that's the thing and we've seen this i think in the premier league as well there was definitely talk that some of the teams that were you know sitting close to the relegation spots were, and quite obviously self-interestedly saying like oh no no relegation we should we should skip that for now i, th- I think that's the thing you just can't detach detaches uh from the from the entire self-interest of the whole thing and um everybody has been very nakedly self-interested and it's leaking to the media <laughs> you're like okay so you guys want this why would you want this oh because it's in your best interest okay very good and you're gonna fight and scrap and you have like a hundred million reasons to do so about not getting relegated and you know i get it I, I totally get it. And and other people are like, well, look, and I think I, I said this along the way. What we're seeing is that you know, there has to be some sort of financial softening, at least a little bit, in order to potentially you know, resolve this in an equitable way because the cliff of the championship is too big. Mm. And and so if you if you have all these teams that will just refuse to do anything, like you know, the neutral venue was, a, was one. Yeah, yeah. And the neutral venue... You know, if England like stays really bad in, in terms of COVID stuff or whatever, you're like neutral venue could mean another country. Like these these teams could have quarantined weeks and weeks ago and done this in South Korea, right? Like it, it, it could already be ongoing. But if if any neutral venue is the problem, uh, then like no one's going to agree to that. So now you're stuck here because they want to have home, even if like there aren't any crowds. <laughs> you're like mm, yeah, yeah. I think you know, having seen the the German stuff play out this weekend, I feel like if you can get the matches on in the stadiums, then that's, I mean that's that's what you should do if you can, if if you can. I mean that, that's <laughs> bottom line is if if you can do it if if various um, relevant parties agree to it, but it feels like it just takes that that untidiness out of it. I think you know in in it, my personal view is is you know if 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 i was in if i was the prime minister's there i'd be like right we'll come back in september and we'll start a new a new league and we'll sort all that out in the thing i mean why is it different though because there's just so many there's so many stakeholders involved here there's just i i I get that but i'm i'm saying why do we think that september is different than now oh sure i mean i'm i'm just setting that as a kind of stake in the ground to kind of aim for not saying that like that is necessarily where you can get to um but i i think that we're stuck in in sort of stasis for uh, 
until vaccine comes along. And, and that stasis is, means that financially, these teams are making decisions now that will be no different than what they are in October. Like if, yeah, no, if the I, UK I chose to lock down completely for another three months, and, and I mean seriously like that, like maybe two months, like seriously completely locked down, which would, you know, exacerbate all the economic problems that we already have. But you could get the case number to be down to a very manageable level, at which point test and trace should actually be able to occur. That is basically their only choice for significantly changing that kind of September, October window. If they're not going to choose that, then the current is basically the same as the future. And they're going to kind of manage this with rolling openings and closings. And, and nothing is different in choosing to go forward from now or going forward in September, October, except for financial. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. I think, you know, whenever whenever you get to a stage where it's like, right, okay, we are now going to have sporting events, then the, what that sporting event looks like, you know, what we've seen the, the, week, the weekend, you know, no fans and, um, you know, matches being, matches being played, that's that's the new reality for for a good while, I'd say. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, that that does, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, this is, becomes a separate question because it's like, well, you know, if we could do that, if we can aim towards that, and we're going to do that in July or August or September, then if that's going to be the plan for the mid-term and long, you know, mid to long-term future, say twelve months, a season, maybe even longer than that, then yeah, you you want to kind of recalibrate so you can get as much of reality back um, while you kind of await <laughs> await the or hope for you know, anything approaching our old reality. Um, well, and the financial situation, the financial incentives are overwhelming here. And and the reason why this is the case is because of guaranteed contracts. Like you can't just cancel footballer contracts because they stay on your books, you know? And, and, and so if the footballers want to maintain their income, like there are a set of choices here. They can either go back to work and continue to meet the media contractual, which is what the league has to do, and the league is the th- and the teams are the ones that are playing the media or the players. And I get that there is uh, an element of risk here. I totally do. But there are elements of risk all over the place, and some of them are financial, and some of them are you know potentially catching uh, you know, COVID as, as a relatively low risk individual, but who may live with higher risk people and, and life choices are, are abounding. But if they don't play these games, the contracts from the media side get canceled. And suddenly the teams that have guaranteed contracts to the players either go out of business or the player income is dramatically impacted by that. Like those are the only choices. Because of contractual law, <laughs> so, like unless your contracts have like force majeure virus clauses in them that allow you to not play payers if the games are not going on, like you're stuck. And so this is why we're seeing, you know, from a public health perspective, it might be better if they didn't do this. But they, in order to continue paying the guys the very high wages, they've got to have something happen. An, yeah, there's an interesting kind of like mid mid to long term kind of knock on effects of this and you know what contracts look at like like in the future. There must be loads of players who literally and you know, the players that are coming into freeze that were looking to pick up nice contracts in the summer or Oh, it sucks or, for them. Or like, you know, players that players that are like, right, okay, time for a renegotiation, you know, you go and sit there and it's like, look, well we're gonna offer you half what you had before because yeah and with all these we've we've added a few clauses and you know this kind of stuff it's going to well, be a really, really different they, world yeah so you can get insured for like injury prevention right mm. um so you can you can make sure that you can potentially continue to earn at some level so like there are insurance policies that players can take out as they're coming into their uh sort of free agent years or whatever but what you can't do is get insured for a lower market value on your on your contract that you get offered, at least not to my knowledge. And so because the the whole market has changed and if you're coming out on a free, it sucks for you. You're looking at 50%. And, and I, I'm laughing at, at these teams that are like, oh yeah, free agents are like so much more interesting now. There's gonna be this, this big market for them. Like, yeah, there are lots of market, but they're not gonna make the same wages that they would have before. Matt, that, judge, that judgment call is going to be huge, though, isn't it? Like, you know, let's <clears throat> top of the head. Let's say you're on fifty grand a week right now, and you're expecting to, you know, bump that up with your next deal. What, you know, be it coming into a free or whatever it is, and you go out there, and the best you're getting offered is like twenty, twenty-five. And like understanding 
whether you should like you know lean into that and try and get more or whether that is as good as it gets and whether you should take it and what is your market value knowing when you when to move and when not to like you know the first what happens the, the first guy who signs a new contract in an, in a, in a new world kind of thing they won't know whether they've got a good contract or a bad contract you know the the tenth or the twentieth or the fiftieth guy that signs a new contract, they'll probably have a quite a clear idea whether you know what's what's going on. So, how long should your contract be? Yeah, like how long is it gonna gonna take for this to recover? Yeah, I want five years. Well, we'll give you two. Mm, okay, well, maybe I only want two because yeah. I think that in in the next two years this will recover, and and maybe and maybe I'm paid. even willing to. Yeah, exactly. Maybe especially if I'm younger, like a two year, like seems like you know you want to try and rumble through this or maybe you do something where you're like look i'm going to be heavily incentivized so like i'll take a, a lower base and then with like big upside and we'll do it from there like richard sherman i think came out of that and he got absolutely pilloried uh but he came off a big injury and came into a free agent market in the in the nfl and believed in himself and and people thought that it was a terrible idea maybe it was but at least it gave him the option to have that upside uh, like plenty of players are not going to have that upside in, in any way, shape, or form coming out of this. And you know, I think the whole transfer market is going to be stuck for a long time. So there was a, a thing from the Ornicle, uh, David Ornstein, this past week talking about uh, Jaden Sancho. And Dortmund would only uh, let him go for like an offer of like 120 million euros, which is still possibly down on what he would have been worth before. But, you know, the peak end of the market, these are luxury goods. And so supply demand doesn't work in the same way. Um and and I'm just like I don't know who's gonna pay 120 in this like at all, uh, which is great for Dortmund fans because they're gonna get to see Thor and, and Sancho play together for a year. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, this is the thing. Even if even if you were like one of the larger clubs and you were thinking like I tell you what, we want we'll get Sancho this summer. We, we got the money. We got the money. You're just not gonna offer anywhere like that ever again. Like you know, not not for a long time. You know, if you were thinking, oh yeah, we got the 120, you're gonna be back saying, tell you what. Let's offer thirty-five and see what they say, and you know, work work from there. And then, yeah, like you know, if you're Dortmund or a selling club, you're going to have to, in your you know, kind of calculate somehow, estimate what part of one hundred twenty million is one hundred twenty million in the new world kind of thing. It's oh man, there's just so many kind of financial things to tie people up in knots. So they've got, a, they've got all that old Usman Dembele money. <laughs> <laughs> right so like that's that's like a lot of cash like Dortmund cashed in a bunch uh what was it two three years ago and then have just enormous amounts of cash that they brought in um you know possibly paid some some taxes on that which would be irritating but nevertheless yeah uh if you have cash in the modern world you would be able to go out and make a massive talent grab this summer and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just exploiting market forces. That's not that's not us being like no, evil or positive. That's like, a th- that's another fascinating take, isn't it? It's like right, you know, you're 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 evaluating the risk of it all, and you and you sit there and you're like, right, okay, we're never going to be able to get players at these this these rates now than we are now. Are there going to be are there going to be teams out there that are really active, really aggressive, and you know, recruit hard or just figure that this is the one time that you can actually exploit this uh, you know a situation with regards to player recruitment because you know, the market is smaller they get you I mean that if you're like the you know there's kind of like not top top players but you know the um you know, kind of tier or two below that how many offers are you going to get you know if you're yeah. I don't know Brighton or Southampton or one of these kind of like relatively rich um Premier League clubs you can probably be really quite aggressive in in that kind of um just probably the tear up from the what you would normally recruit at you know just a one one step up slightly better players just presuming that the market isn't going to be as active and and these players are going to be cheaper as well and if you're the guys that are there with the last contract on the table might be worth it yeah don't know yeah you get a multiple on your money mm. like right now and it's like so so say we're going into last summer and it's not Neymar and Mbappe, which people said was going to be the new reality. And I said, there's no chance of this. <laughs> this is this is not the new reality. Um, you know, the, we haven't seen anybody go for that amount 
since that time we've seen some dumb transfers that that felt like it but like that's not a normal amount of money in like 150 to the 200 million range like that was still a crazy amount at the time and it kind of broke the market and there were reasons why it broke the market but PSG was was making a statement and and needed to do that they felt in order to get those players and and become who they are and and to be fair to them like their their marketing and their fashion stuff has been pretty impressive so like from a brand building perspective i guess like it has had significant impact there but that is not the normal but anyway we're we're in a in a space where like you know zhao felix is bought for 125 and we're like that still seems dumb uh maybe the top end player is still 100 to 125 young player that's what it looks like okay now like you're gonna at the top end players, you're still gonna get like two to two and a half times your money, right? Like say say you can go in and buy one of the best young players in the world for like sixty to sixty five now, and some clubs would snap snap at that because they really need the cash and that get the uncertainty is what's gonna kill them. Like they don't know what their financial future looks like, and so not being able to plan yeah. around that no, is that's true. deadly. Yeah, like you know, if it, it's June, I mean, I don't know, it's June, and, and a big club is putting is putting I don't know an, a, a large advance payment plus you know obviously a normal kind of payment plan on the table uh you know for your your star and you've you know you're on the other hand you're looking over your shoulder and you're thinking like right we haven't had any crowd revenue since since february <laughs> i'd quite like to get that you know that 20 yeah. million banked and uh, we'll work out the rest later and um, didn't want it what happened this, a bit with salah you remember, like Roma were under FFP problems, right? And mm. in order to try and get out of that, they needed to, to cash in somebody. And so uh, they were willing to take what they knew might not be kind of the right premium on Salah to guarantee they could get out of FFP and have like a financial plan for the rest of the summer, right? Like mm. that was that was what happened. So, you know, one of the best players in the world, um, you know, coming into his prime, very, very good, would love to keep him. But it was more important for them to to be able to do that next set of planning and and also potentially you know not have to sell a bunch of their players right yeah or or wait too long and you know have to have to you know not plan this is it you've do, you've sold the one player you didn't want to sell your staff player but you sold him now we can look to the future and we've got months of planning to work with rather than you know holding on to them to the bitter end August the thirty first will it go through won't it go through all that kind of thing. Yeah, so oh if you can take a hundred million now and get a three x multiple or more, and just go around Europe and and shop, uh, that's what you're going to do as a as a Premier League team. And it, even even like as a Championship team, if you could take twenty million now and go around Europe and buy guys that you would have had to pay five to ten and get them for two to three, like you yeah, should yeah. do that. Yeah, now, exactly. You have that like, cash. Yeah. Making those making those approaches like now, you know, players that you m- might have thought, oh, we, we won't get them register an inquiry isn't it you know just see who's make, make sure you speak to us if you know in case anything anything happens with this guy oh man there must be there must be some real fun to be had in, in this yeah i'm sure <laughs> like if you like deals like daniel levy in this situation would be like properly frisky like you could imagine him actually cracking a smile and being excited about this market <laughs> but like the flip side of that is that anybody who is sort of 60th percentile on downward like those people are all available Nobody wants them anymore because their contracts are liabilities and like 75% of the championship and, and League One is available for sale if you just take their contract off of us. Mm. That That's the financial reality right now of those places. And it's not just like the championship, but like those are the places that are bloated, right? Like they're funded by uh, owners that have been willing to write losses for a long time. But those owners usually have money in football because they're other businesses, uh, have have given them that money, and unless you've you know exited via IPO, if you've got stock in that space, or unless you're like a tech baron at the moment, everybody else whose business is allowing them to write fifty million checks a year for their football team at a loss, and they don't care about it, those people are probably not going to do that. And yeah. so that's where you see the crashing of the market. The financial reasons for for the football sort of. Um, what would you call it? Balance sheet bloodbath that is likely to happen is because there have been people that have been willing to to you know fund losses for especially the last five years, and like a lot of their money has dried up, or at least a lot of the cash flow has dried up, and that's a big big problem for all these teams. I guess coming out of the other side, there could be some a degree of sustainability that's almost like enforced. Like I was thinking of like let's say lower league teams or teams in smaller leagues where most contracts are kind of going year to year. 
uh, like you know this this summer they inv- invariably you know when they're trying to rebuild a team for, for next year it won't be a case of like right here's your six grand a week it'll be like right we can do three like, you know like it or lump it kind of thing mm-hmm. and that might kind of automatically kind of create uh, you know a more kind of like stable uh, you know financial base uh, obviously teams have got to survive and create revenue some somehow and you know fun, it's worse at that level huge, but like I don't know if if they can get through this kind of like difficult period, then potentially or just their cost base will just you know recalibrate to some degree. It's worse know. at that level, though. It's not going to be. Uh, we would normally give you six, but we're going to offer you three. Is we would normally give you six, but we're going to offer you like one, one point five, maybe. Yeah, like that that's how bad it's going to be. And this is a you know it's a labor adjustment that you know football is is not as as cheap as it used to be because the whole world doesn't have as much money outside of like some people who now have accumulated more so if jeff bezos wanted to buy all the football clubs he probably could <laughs> but that's that's kind of how this has worked out um i think that, that we have one more announcement actually so if you've made it this far congratulations <laughs> yeah uh, we did kind of this go this deep very out. rambling <laughs> return to podcasting for however long it lasts uh so james I missed our anniversary. You did, yeah. Of being a data, a two-year anniversary of being a data company, which is insane, by the way. So we are we're on the, we're recording this on the nineteenth of May, uh, twenty twenty. On the 9th of May of twenty eighteen, we invited lots of people to a university in South London to come see us make a very special announcement and to to give them stuff, and it it was a big day for us anyway. And it was the day that we unveiled the fact that we had been collecting data for this past season, at least the 2017-18 season, and we turned into a data company. And that was really the moment that, you know, StatsBomb's future changed. Uh, it, it changed, like, who we interact with. It changed our ability to, to scale. It changed our ability to just change the data environment. Um, you know, we, we offered a lot of USPs, many of which have not been copied, many of which have been attempted to be copied. Uh, and it was it was a pretty damn good day, James. Mm. Yeah, no, it was good fun. Tom only remembers that we saw Andy Circus though. So I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that. <laughs> anyway. You might not have seen him, but he was coming into some lecture, I think, uh, in the evening. He was part of, and we were out like having some drinks uh, at the end of it. But on that day, we we published or we presented a bunch of presentations about mm. you know what we've learned from the new data, like pressures and passwordedness, and how this you know how having. Uh, goalkeeper position and defender position like really changed the expected goals models um, significantly and, and how you're able to model them, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff is available on our YouTube channel if you want to. Anyway, I missed our anniversary and I felt bad, but part of it was because like I really wasn't paying attention to the fact that we were now in, in early May at the time yeah, because like the dates are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, um, around our anniversary, we typically will announce what our next free data set is. Uh, last year, we couldn't do that because we were deep into collecting the old messy data. Uh, this year, we have, um, we're gonna do it as a package and it's kind of a classic package. Uh, I received a lifeline this morning from someone fairly high up um, that means that we can't release this yet, but uh, we have been collecting the Arsenal and Invincible season. And uh, we've got 32 of 38 done. Uh, we got stuck with the last six matches. Uh, we're still stuck with the last six matches of video. Um, there are, but it looks like it exists, and we might be able to do it in a way that doesn't involve paying like 20,000 pounds, which would be a big deal for us because we don't <laughs> have that 20,000 pounds. Yeah, that's uh, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I I do understand the the Premier League has a lot of value, but you know, 2003, 2004 video seems like it might not, especially if you're not price. broadcasting it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's just my opinion. You know, I, I, I just, <laughs> we're trying. So anyway, we've done this and we've done it on our own um, uh, at no cost to anybody else. And uh, we will continue to do that. Um, and we're going to release it one way or another. So if you only end up with 32 of the 38, like, I apologize, but man, did we spend a lot of time and energy trying to do that. But along with that, James had the good idea that we were going to offer some other very high level uh, football data that has a, a different theme to it. You gonna tell me what it is? Oh right, the Champions League finals, isn't it? I'm not sure what, yeah. we, what we've agreed on in the end. Yeah. But like, uh, 
Going to release some data from a bunch of Champions League finals. Ted will tell you more. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to package up two decades worth of Champions League finals. Uh, so basically the, the 2000 all the way up to what would have been this year. And we'll release that to everybody as well. So you can kind of see uh, another interesting sort of longitudinal data set. I'm intrigued by these longitudinal data sets because like, they don't really exist. Uh, I, th- I think they're fun, but th- those will be fun because it's, it's classic players. People love visiting up classic players and tweeting it out and stuff. So like, we'll look forward to seeing, seeing a bunch of that kind of stuff. And uh, there's so many resources now to work with StatsBomb data, be you an amateur or one of our clients or anything. But the resources out there are insane. There's, there's so much... Um, you know, for both for our Python, the friends of tracking people have been using our data. Loads of accounts have been um, on Twitter have been actively kind of like uh, you know doing viz, publishing code and such. You know, it's so easy now. It's crazy, really. It's crazy how easy it is to literally access some of our data, of which, as Ted has just described, we will release you know more interesting data sets as we go along, and then just like practice you know visualization analysis techniques all these kind of things on our data sets um you know if this was this was the world we were living in seven or eight years ago and when we all kind of like started looking at this we'd been like kids in a candy shop yep okay so that's going to happen uh look for it before the end of may uh we've got some stuff that we're still trying to finish up there but it should be released by the end of the month and uh thanks for listening uh, i know that you know football is at least a little bit back and there are green shoots and hopefully those green shoots continue And otherwise, stay safe and healthy. Cheers, mate.